Hi, it's Paul. Hi, it's Damo. And it's time for the PD Sports Podcast. With Damo and Paul. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the PD Sports Podcast. I am Paul and with me today is Damo. Damo, introduce yourself. How are we everybody? It's Damo, it's the PD Sports Podcast and we're here yet again for a blockbuster episode. A lot has happened in another week of sport. Yeah, I think with the climax of the domestic football, this is probably the last real controversial episode until the Euros, but once again it is another massive week in football. So it's just Dame and I this week. Dom's recovering from a bit of a procedure that he's had, which he's fine with, but hopefully he'll be back with us next week. So big, big week in European football and domestic football. Um, We've obviously covered most of the league uh, overviews from last week with all the leagues finishing, but massive focus this week on the Europa and Champions League finals and the playoff final for the championship so lots and lots to talk about once again which i'm very very excited about and dame where should we start do we want to go either there's two ways we can do this either in chronological order or we can go okay the playoff final wasn't in europe and then finish with the two european games i don't know which way you want to go with it I reckon let's start with the Champions League. Let's get the big one done first. We'll go backwards you want to on go, the agenda. You, you want to go backwards. That's the first yeah. time you said that. I wasn't expecting that out of you. Let's go usually backwards. You're a, you're a man that's forward thinking. And now yeah. Let's go backwards. All right, here let's we go. go. Oh, wow. Well, let's get the big dog out of the way. Big old ears has found its way off to Chelsea and City have got to wait again, don't they? Yeah, 100%. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about. It was a massive possibility. I think we all predicted, except for Dom, well, me and you predicted a City win, but I don't know how confident we were in it. Uh, but Yeah, well, we always gave Chelsea a chance in the previous podcast. We always said they can do it, and they've done it to City throughout the league. I actually think they've played Chelsea. Chelsea's played City three times now under Tuchel. has not won uh, yeah. against Tuchel, which is uh, you know incredible. It kind of shows they've got the right manager in Chelsea and were vindicated in sacking Lampard to bring him in. Um I would also say that a lot of this game was down to Pep. And I think the one thing that we didn't talk about on any of the previous podcasts was the Pep factor. Yeah. Pep in a big game losing his mind a little. He's Which almost he's too done. he's almost too good for his own mind, if you know what I mean. He kind of thought himself there. Yeah, he's sort of like, you know, he's like a ta- he's a tactical genius, but Every genius goes crazy, and I feel like he just went nuts because he wanted this one so bad that he just outfought himself and changed everything. Where I I wish we got a final where Pep lined up like normal, normal. <laughs> and I think this game would have flourished because of that. I'm not saying that it was a bad game; I actually thought it was quite a good game to watch. Pretty open um, for a one nil. You know, it was definitely not a game that was your typical one nil. Uh, you know, there's definitely moments in this game where it was like. You know, oh, this team could score, that team could score. There's plenty of like six yard box clearances from Chelsea, from good moves from City. But I really wish he lined up, you know, typical 4 3 3, Rodri or Fernandinho starting, and it would have been interesting to see how it went. Uh, but look, we, we can go through it and go through your thoughts first, Paul, and then I'll go through my thoughts on what happened in the game and talk about a few of the key moments as well and key talking points. Give me a rundown, Paul. Yeah, I haven't seen the game in its entirety. I uh, just haven't had a chance to get around to it. But for me, it was just 
Pep trying to be Pep too much without considering the threat to Chelsea. That's just sort of how I envisioned it with Gundogan sitting in that you know number six role, which he hasn't really played all season. And I felt they lost that creativity driving through the midfield from what I saw. And it just seemed that they didn't have that freedom to, to go and play because... You know, there was no Rodri just sitting there to to clean up. The other big factor for me was Sterling starting. I think I mentioned it last week that he might start. I didn't. I wasn't confident in it, but I think that just showed that Pep wanted to go back to his tried and tested, even though this year it hadn't worked. And I think that just showed how nervous he was in that decision making with the team, because there's just no world where I see Sterling starting that game like this. He hasn't had the run of form. He hasn't been part of the side that's got them there. And then he's been rewarded with a game in the final. It just didn't make sense. Then the other factor, I think Pep realized during the game that absence of a true number six. So when they were 1-0 down, he brought Fernandinho on, which for me didn't make a whole lot of sense because at that point now you are chasing. Like it just seemed, he just found a way to just go, oh, I think I've made a mistake here. Can I just put an anchor there so now we can actually you know, get the six guys going forward together and, you know, throwing Aguero on to try and grab a goal just was almost too little too late at that point. I think Chelsea had set the defence up pretty well and didn't really look like getting broken through. What do you reckon? Uh, I think it's pretty spot on. Um, You know, I could not believe Sterling started. Uh, He he banged the nail on the head. You know, it was... It was very weird. When I saw that lineup come out, uh, for those that don't know, me and Paul watched the playoff final together. We actually both made the decision to not watch the UCL final live. I watched it straight away. I woke up at about 8.30 in the morning and watched it without trying to realise what the result was. But there was messages from Dom already um, about that. So, yeah, he was a very happy boy. But, um, look, when I watched this game back, live, not live, you know, but in its 90, um, I could not believe a firstly Sterling starter. I thought he's a bit of a waste of space, really. He kind of looked like the Sterling that has been this season. Out of form, out of touch, not providing much, not providing any real creativity or depth or movement or anything of the sort that you're used to with Sterling. And I think it was Pep just out thinking himself going, oh, this is going to work. He also, it kind of looked like the 4-1-2-1-2. And I'm like, when have you played 4-1-2-1-2 this season, Pep, really? Is this because you think Chelsea are better than you? Which I think pound for pound they're not. Um, is it because you haven't beaten Tuchel playing your system? You didn't really give it a great go in a uh, game at 35 because you rotated. It, it just looks so clear cut that all Pep had to do was line up normal with a normal lineup and a normal side. And he probably would have got a normal City performance. And then at least that way, if you get a normal City performance, most times or not you win. And if you do lose the game, you probably can hold your hands up and say Chelsea... Fully deserved that, which they did. I'm not taking any gloss away from Chelsea. I thought they were perfect for a Champions League final yeah. against a bigger team. I thought they were absolutely sensational. But a lot of this is focused on Pep and why on earth did he go 4-1-2-1-2. Um, the, the other thing is is that I think Chelsea historically under Tuchel so far from what we've seen prefer teams that want to look to play inside. They, they don't like being stretched wide. They don't like their lines being stretched You know, when they have five at the back or when they're in transition. And they rather have teams play inside because you've got the three centre-backs, you've got the midfielders in there, including Kante, and Pep kind of just channeled all his play into Kante. Yeah. If I was a, managing against Chelsea, wouldn't you try to get the ball as far away or try and drag Kante as far away out of position as possible? 
For me, uh, that, you're looking at trying to just stretch that defence because if yeah. you're playing compact, you're just playing into their hands. It's like it's, and that's what he did. He lined up. Sterling never moved. Unless he was trying to think that, well, we're going to line up like this 4-1-2-1-2, two, two, but when we get the ball, it's going to be you know the 10 pushing into the 9 and they spread wide. I'm like, well, yeah, that's well great on theory or on a whiteboard, but by the time that's happened, Chelsea are set and you're not going to break them down that way. Yeah. Um, so I it was a bit weird. Uh, and then uh, I understand that he brought Fernandinho on. I know what you're saying, that he tried to chase a game. I actually really liked the sub. Um, I thought it was early enough that City could go back to what's worked and still try and find a goal, and I thought they looked a lot better when they went with a proper six um, and Fernandinho. Uh, and I, I just I do agree with you that it was, a, it was an omission that Pep knew that he got it wrong. Um, and look, at the end of the day, on a different day, City probably sh- could have scored from numerous chances. I think Chelsea defended fantastically. There was a numerous times the ball went into the six-yard box when City broke him down and it was cleared away. Um, but at the same time, did Mendy really have to make a massive save? No. So I think if you're Chelsea, you're very happy with how it was done and how you marshaled the game. I thought that was fantastic. And um, I also got to put out there that the only thing that I wish that you know, really didn't happen was obviously De Bruyne coming off injured. Because I feel like with the six on the field, De Bruyne there, the, De Bruyne had the potential to do something magical and we got deprived of that moment and he's a quality player. And I just, all I hope is that he's okay for the Euros and, you know, we see De Bruyne flourish in a Belgium squad that should be put around him and Lukaku. And look, I think all in all, it wasn't a bad final to watch. I thought it was very good from Tuchel, very tactical, and there was enough going wrong for City that made it enjoyable too. If that's a little bit disingenuous in me saying, I kind of like that they got it wrong and uh, the egg fell on the face, so to say, on what is perceived to be the best team in Europe. It's only like one change that I'd make and it's Rodri at the base, Gundogan moves up a line and then Foden goes to the left to give you natural width because you're just anticipating Reese James it's, pushing it's, on. It's a system. Right. It's just a system change. Go from 4 one 2 one 2 to 4 3, three and you bring in one guy. But Instead, it's usually one positional change or two positional changes. That's I'm it. just going to throw in the stat. In the last 60 games, Pep has started Rodri or Fernandinho 59 times. You want to know that one game he hasn't started one of them in? What? The Champions League final. There you go. Which just that's madness for a manager that is so good. And we're talking about a guy that... Who knows we, his beliefs. We, we think that he could be one of the best managers of all time. There's even people saying he's the best manager of all time. I have my views on that. I don't think he is. Um, and it pains me a lot to say that it's Sir Alex Ferguson, but, you know, he's, he, that's a debate for another day. But um, for a guy that's that good, he can't make a mistake like that, I don't think. You've got to know what's worked for you. And you've got to know how you got back, there. How do you just not back... With the backbone of your midfield, I just don't understand it at all. I could under, I could understand it was Chelsea that did that against City. They could go big game final. I need something to work over ninety minutes. We're going to change it on them because we're the underdog. But when you're the top dog, you're the team that's the best in Europe. You're one of the teams that should have should be winning Champions League year in year out by how much money you spend. You got one of the best squads in Europe. You you got one of the you know you got a system that has proven and worked. You just won the league. How don't yeah. you play it? Yeah. I just don't get that. Absolute body. Where, where if you, where if you, where if you Chelsea and you're too sure you can, you can come up in your brain as a coach that oh well I actually might do this over ninety minutes because I might throw them, right? Yeah. It was more Pep going well I need to throw Chelsea. No you don't. Go play your football. 
And if it, yeah. and if you play your best football, you're gonna win. The only thing that I also think we haven't talked about, by the way, is uh, how good was the goal from Chelsea? Yeah, class finish. And, oh, a good, and a good break as well, to be fair. Good movement. I, I, as a coach, that's the stuff of dreams. You know, Werner didn't have a particularly good day, but this is why Werner's important to Tuchel's system was that move, right? He's not your. He's not. I don't. I still think Tuchel's going to go in either. He either use habits in the nine more, or he will go get a striker that suits him a little bit better than Werner. But still expect Werner to be around there. Is the movement of Werner for the goal is magnificent. Also, the build-up play. Ball comes from Mendy, straight over to the left-hand side. Touch inside, great football, one-two touch, right? But then, all of a sudden, Werner makes a, makes a run beyond with depth. Something Sterling never did. He never moved the Chelsea defence. And he makes a movement that Ruben Diaz has, well, if I press the ball and they clip it over me, Werner's in, right? Or if I stay with Werner, I block the run, but it gives, um, who was a passer? Mason Mount time on the ball, yeah, right? In the end, he chooses a ladder and he goes and, Follows Werner. What that also does is because he runs diagonal and away and providing depth. When, I, when we call depth as coaches, we tell them that he's running towards goal, right? And he's creating depth because he's stretching the field. Diaz steps and tries to cover the run. He moves away from Zivchenko and Havertz being Havertz, who's an exceptional player. He's not had the year at Chelsea, but he's repaid paid him in full here. Yeah, he just makes the run inside of Zinchenko. He gets goal side. There's a massive gap because of Werner's movement. And all Mount has to do is play a ball into space. And it doesn't even have to be the most perfect of ball because the space has been opened up by Werner, just any sort of ball. And yeah. that happened. Goal. Oh, it was un- unbelievable. A goal that was worthy of winning a Champions League final. You know, you usually you say. Too. Yeah, usually you say that about a goal from distance or a piece of individual brilliance or whatever. But that as a team goal, yeah, it's not your team goal. You're thinking of Tiki Taka, Argentina 06, you know, 20-odd passes goal, right? But uh, it's a team goal in terms of three, four touches of the ball, bang, we're in, goal, thank you very much. Movement of the whole team, unreal. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that just showed, you know, Chelsea just stuck with what they knew was going to work. And they got the goal and... It highlights how good Tuchel is, really. He stuck with what he knew. He hasn't even been there for a year, and he's won a Champions League. He's taking Chelsea into the four. Yeah, they're probably a bit lucky to stay in the four on the final day. doesn't matter. They're in the four. He's taken them to a Champions League final and beat the best team in Europe, they say. And got Um, the FA Cup final. And he got the FA Cup final on a different day. That, That all clicks. He wins the FA Cup final too. If you're a Chelsea fan with the right signings, a full pre-season... And a full year under Tuchel, you should be very excited what is to come. 100%. They'll get the backing too. That's the main thing. Uh, yeah, Abramovich is already in love with him. So, yeah, he's he's got to get miles of backing. That Chelsea squad could have a few big, big changes to it. Yeah, they definitely could be the the big mover, I think, for next year in the Premier League to really I think so come too. and challenge and Justin City. It'd be very interesting to see what sort of window they have in transfer window. We're not going to delve too much into who they're going to sign or whatever because it's way too early for that, pool. Yeah, I agree. Um, but... They could be really, 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 really massive. The one thing I am going to say, on the flip side, I think this is the first time Pep has gone in and has probably realised he doesn't have a natural nine or a good enough nine at Man City. And until they do that, my unpopular popular opinion of that, until they get in a proper nine that suits Pep or a nine that is of the quality of Manchester City, because you're losing Aguero and he's obviously been declining. um, And, you know, Torres is fair. Torres Torres yeah, they they and Gabriel Jesus seems to have been falling out of favour in these big games as yeah. well. Um, 
My point is, in the unless City, who spent big money before, go out and spend big money on a striker, I actually don't find them getting into the UCL final until they do again. Because I think teams have got a blueprint now of how to beat them. Yeah, it's who knows. I've put in brackets in the uh, in the in the run sheet Harry Kane, but is he really Pep sort of striker? He can still play the same way. He tends to you know do the, the whole lot. He can drop in. He can go beyond. He can shoot either foot. You know. I think if you're just Harry a bit Kane, bigger, but I think if you're Harry Kane personally, you're very happy that City have lost because I think if City won, he's not going to go by Harry Kane. I think now because City have lost. Think Harry Kane will become maybe a target of City because I think they did lack a proper nine. When I mean a proper nine, I'm not talking about your classical number nine is going to get you a million goals and set up top. I'm talking about a striker that can play like Pep wants, someone that drops in deep, can press, can play ball, can play ball, and can score. You know that complete forward. Um, I just don't think they have it at the squad at the moment. It just um, wouldn't surprise me if De Bruyne yeah. transitions into that role a bit more. As it well, wouldn't maybe. either. Um, it and depends what Pep's got planned. It yeah. depends what Plex got planned and look, we usually see what happens. He could easily transition a couple of those like more creative midfielders to play in that false nine role and then maybe that's how they overcome it and reinvent that way. But who knows? We could spend so long talking oh, about we could, that. We could spend massive amount of talking about that. Yeah. But I just, I reckon, it'd be interesting to see. But look, great final. I'm so happy for Chelsea. I have more Chelsea friends than I do Man City friends. Um, so I'm happy for them. Um, shout out to Dim, Dom, um, who else is in our Discord that's a Chelsea fan? Bano. Actually, I think that's it, to be fair. Dim and Dom. Um, shout out to Fano, uh, when you listen to this, Big Chief. Um, well done to you boys. Deserved yeah. it this season, I feel. On the balance of the knockout stage, very well done. Kudos. Yeah, I'm happy right. for him. I reckon it's time to uh, cross over to the red side of Manchester and break down that just... Interesting piece of a final where you finally got the penalties, but I don't. You didn't actually predict it this time around. So I got my you, penalty shootout. Yes, finally. Your, your prediction, game. your prediction came through Villarreal winning, and I think I sort of ended up siding with you. And at one nil, I thought, "Crap, Damo might be on here." But <laughs> I, I thought I was on. So I'm going to set the scene for the boys, right? And my mum's going to hear this, and I don't care, right? I'm going to set the scene for the boys. So Damo has predicted Villarreal from the start to finish. Villarreal picked out at four dollars to win the champ to win the Europa Europa League, um, and Damo got on it. And I'm just going to talk about that in a second. But Damo on the day for the final got up to watch this because there was money on it. And ten minutes before, Damo predicted Villarreal to win under two and a half goals, right over ninety. Um, Jared Moreno and Cavani to have one shot on target each. Everything came through, but Villarreal winning in not well, apart from in um, normal time. In normal time, I was very livid, right? But that was okay. <laughs> in my second multi, however, I put under two and a half goals over ninety. I put Jared Moreno and Cavani to to score, Saint to to get one shot on target each, right? And I put um, um, Villarreal Villarreal to win over. Proper time. By the way, that first multi, by the way, it was um, nil-nil at halftime. That f- screwed me. I had Villarreal to just win and over the full thing as well. Right? I'm at work by now. It's 7.10. I'm at work. Penalty shootout. Big boss has walked into me and United fan. And he goes, you better not be watching this penalty shootout. I'm, I'm not. I have then got the coffee man, my barista, to walk over, hold my phone in the middle of the shopping centre that I work at, 
so I could watch this shootout. And the amount of ballisticness that me and him jumped through because we both had money for Villarreal to win was ridiculous. And all you see on the security cameras at 7, 10 in the morning, he called into his office like, what's this? And I'm, is me and the barista high-fiving, running around screaming because Villarreal beat meaning on pens. If that is not, if that is not the most pure emotion of, of football, oh I don't know what is. Because, look, there was no one in the shop. We've only served two customers in the morning. No one was coming to be served. They won. I gave a loud come on and a fist pump. He's coming high five me. We've hugged. It, it was great. It was a good moment. It was good bonding with my barista. We're good mates, good. me and Robin. But um, yeah, that that was Damo's morning for this final. I was, I was just it's nice to predict something and it to fucking come in. It was good and it's even better because it's Man United. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, anyway, story my, time with Damo done. My big thing from this game, I. I turned it on with like five minutes to go because I was getting ready for work. But I did watch the shootout and my big takeaway from the shootout was just the like massive contrast between Rulli and De Gea's penalty. So Rulli's penalty was absolutely smashed top bins with full of confidence and then De Gea steps up, same situation, needing to score and just half hits it, nowhere near the corner, no confidence. And that for me just sums up his season really like the team's played well they've finished second but I haven't thought De Gea's been great or played with any confidence and I think that could potentially be his last kick for United and I think that's uh, almost ironic that you know someone who started so shakily became one of the best goalkeepers and has finished just as shakily yeah I agree 100% only thing I will say about the penalty from really in the is we're taught as keepers when we do keeper coaching we never talk about penalties, but we're just taught about just hitting a ball true for like goal kicks or whatever. Look, I really just put the ball down and said, I'm just going to hit this like a goal kick, but just with a little bit lower trajectory so it goes in, right? And he just blasted it. Picked his side that he wanted to hit and just hit it. I think the Haya kind of was just thinking, I have to make sure I hit the target here. Yeah. And just hope really doesn't go the right way. It was so Where obvious, really so. Yeah, it was, it was so telegraphed. Where really was like, I'm just going to hit this. You and whatever happens, happens, right? De Gea was like, I can't afford to miss. And was just scared to miss. And in the end, he was that scared to miss that he just passed it. And as soon as really went the right way, it was game over. Um, I want to talk about the shootout in its entirety a little bit more. But I think we have to break this game down because a lot happened in this game, Paul, that we have to talk about. Yeah. Do, um, look, for me, I watched... the, big, the big thing for me was subs. Oh, that my was God. Just, that was just so arrogant from Ollie. To think that his starting eleven should be getting the job done. That's how I interpreted it. That he thought we're going to roll in. I'm going to play my eleven, and we're going to walk out with the trophy. You know what I think it was. What? Ollie isn't experienced in the in these big finals. Ollie oh, was his first one. Ollie isn't experienced as a manager on the big stage. Not just finals, just big stage games, right? Because he's, you know, Man United is a lot different than getting relegated with Cardiff or managing Cardiff. Was it Cardiff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. it was at Cardiff. Yeah, right. A lot different. I actually think he throws. I actually think he just got into the game and just sat there and was like, I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know who to bring on. I don't know what change to make. And I think he just, all of a sudden, because he throws, he became quite scared to make a mistake. In the yeah. end, he made the biggest mistake, not changing anything. Right, and by the stage it happened, it was too late. The only thing I think he did right with the subs is that he actually made subs for penalties, which I thought was smart. Right, yeah. But those subs could have been made. He still could have made four free subs beforehand. 
Yeah, I know. It, it's, I couldn't believe it because I just like, and the subs that. Naive. It's just naive. It was, and the, the game was crying out for Man United to make change and to win the game of football because it became very apparent Villarreal at 1-0 was just going to sit there and try and win it and it became very apparent at 1-0 that Ilmer was like, well, okay, we'll just take it to extra time. Yeah. Right? And it never did. So Villarreal lined up 4-4-2 in the game itself. Man United lined up 4-2-3-1, which was expected. Um, Villarreal sat that, came very deep, 11 men behind the ball. And then after Backer came off, they went into a mirroring 4-2-3-1, still looking to kind of keep men behind the ball, but just mirror United out for the 90, Right? During that whole period, you could kind of tell that um, a lot of United's players were not having a good game. You know, I think um, Martial did not have a game at all. I think he was horrid, right? Yeah, I um, spoke about that in the last podcast about him too. Yeah, right. And he hasn't been himself. And I also think that Oli rotating people in the pre in the previous games, the last four or five games, he rotated so much that none of these players that started that game really had the confidence of where in form. It was kind of like, oh, how much minutes have I really played? I'm a bit shaky sort of thing. Where if I think of Ollie stuck with that sort of 11-man team for the last two games of the league season at least, right? Um, he would have... I think he would have had a bit of a different performance from him, right? Instead, it was... I think his, his lead-up wasn't great with the, the rotations, right? He then picks a 4-2-3-1, which is fine. He picks his best squad, which is fine, but it's not happening for you. Villarreal are there for the taking. They're sitting there and doing nothing. They're just hoofing the ball back to you. You know, make a change. Be brave. Go 3-5-2. Go try win the game. Or if you want to keep the same system, bring Daniel James on 15 minutes to go. You know, pace in behind. You know, if he, if you catch him, you're, if he could run at him, he's got something that he can give you, you, you know. Um, but it, Oli never looked. He never even looked like making something. He just sat there. Yeah. Uh, which was weird. Um, and he didn't want to win the game. You know what it was? Unra Emre managed in a way that he's like, I know what I have to do to win this game. I'm going to do it my way. And Oli kind of got to the moment where it was like, if I make a change that goes wrong, we're going to lose. So I'm not going to make a change. And I'm like, that's the wrong mentality, especially when you're the top dog. It's like Pep at, C- at City against Chelsea. Why are you changing when you're the top dog? Your tactics, right? But Pep at least went out there and was like, well, I have to change the game now. Yeah. Where Oli just was like, uh, Let's just get uh, it done. Uh, 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 I'm just going to hope we stay out there and it wins sort of mentality. It was weird. I also found it very interesting that, you know, I, I may use these five subs by the 90, keeping things fresh. The second period from not the second period, the first period of extra time from 90 to 105 minutes, Villarreal dominated for the first time in the game. Why, Paul? Give me a reason why. I mean, they were just settled. They had the legs. They were good to go. They had the legs. Do you think Oli even flinched at that to make a sub? No. I couldn't believe it. The other big thing that I've talked about as well was um, at full time, Umar Emery got his boys in, in the huddle. He was talking. You could hear that he was talking some sort of tactics to him, right? And they were buying in and they're listening. You want to know what was going on at the Man United huddle? No. He had Bruno Fernandes there talking to the players. He had other people talking to the players. Oli just stood there. I'm sorry. It's a Europa League final. You look to your coach to give you something. It could be a word of wisdom. It could be something to do different tactically. It could be something to change something. You want to know what he did? I don't mind that, to be honest. He stood there. I don't mind that because if he's got the confidence to delegate to the players during the game, I mean, look, we don't know the ins and outs of the of the dressing room. That's probably the key thing there. You know, there might have been consultation. It might have been with Cavani and Fernandez to then relay the message to the players. But yeah, it doesn't look good. 
like in the biggest, just, in the biggest I, game. In the biggest game. In the biggest game, 90 minutes, you're going in extra time. If I'm a player, I'm looking to my coach, okay, what we're we doing? What, what's going on here in extra time? What's the plan? Right? I've been there, not in finals, but I've been there in extra time as a coach. That's your moment where you, you grow your set of balls and you make a decision and that's what you're doing in extra time. You're going to go for it. Or you, are you going to go for it? No. All right, we're going to sit here. We're going to be very pragmatic. We're going to play to get us to about 150th minute. We might try and win the game with five minutes to go. You know, or like Udmar Emre kind of sat up in a way that I think he was trying to make sure that this game went as long as possible for 1-1. Not playing for penalties, but sort of getting it to a stage where, okay, we're going to go and try and maybe nab it now. Not by going throwing men forward, but we win a set piece or whatever, we'll put men forward. Which is a fine way to go about it. I think especially when you're Villarreal against Man United, that's perfect, right? Um, but Oli never made a decision, ever, I didn't think. Um, and I just think it's just the experience of Unra Emre got the job done against the inexperience of Oli. I also think this proves, by the way, Arsenal made a very big mistake and that it wasn't Unra Emre not being able to coach. It was just the whole uh, Arsenal being Arsenal factor there yeah, um, as well. Yeah, that panic. They didn't like that a coach that pushed him back because oh, clearly he knows what he's doing as well. Yeah. Um and yeah, couldn't believe it as well. Uh, I yeah. just I was in shock. You know, Bruno Fernandez didn't have a great game. Now it's going to take a lot of Cajones to take Bruno Fernandez off. Um, in a final, and personally, I probably wouldn't because Bruno's the type of guy that would uh probably find a moment of brilliance even when playing bad to win you a game. But you know, Oli had so many people he could have took off and brought on. And yeah. it didn't even look it like it has depth as well. It's not that they don't have the depth. Oh, well, I think me and United have some clear areas they need to improve in. Um, I actually look at their team and I don't think they have natural out-and-out wingers. No. Um, you know, they've got guys that love to cut in, but they don't have an out-and-out winger apart from Daniel James. I actually feel like for Oli, his big signing should be actually trying to lure human song away from Spurs because he's an out-and-out winger, right? Um, they need a central midfielder as well. And like I feel deeper, like they deeper one. I think they need a bit more def- defensively minor midfielder. Yeah. I actually think if they sorted out their back four and bought two wingers, one is a bit more backup, one to really start, but an out-and-out out winger, a proper winger, not one of these guys that, you know, wants to come inside or a guy that you've got to throw well, up a nine right. or whatever. To, to play someone, on the right, really. Someone to come in and just be a winger. That would Rashford, actually be very... Rashford's always yeah. going to play on the left, so you, yeah. you need someone to kind of just balance that out. So someone that's going to give you some natural width, plus one Bissaka's not... An amazing at fullback going forward. So, you know, that'd be an interesting dynamic having one winger stretching the line, one cutting in with Bruno floating in a 10 with Cavani or Greenwood, whoever they want to play up front. Exactly. I think that would be I interesting. Think- and then you have Bruno in a 10. Ideally, you have Donny van der Beek and Pogba as your two deeper midfielders, and then that team's looking dangerous. Yeah, it does. Um, and I just think if Oli focused on that, he'd be fine. I'm also going to say right now, a lot of people are saying, is it Oli's time to go? No, they've improved so much under Oli that Oli's job should be really safe, right? I mean, second in um, the league and Europa League yeah, final. Yeah, he should be fine. He should be fine. I've heard a lot of people murmuring about that. I'm like, that makes no sense. Unless you can um, get Allegri or something, which obviously you can't. Um, yeah, now you can't because we're talking about that a little later. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, now let's talk about the penalty shootout. Um, I actually think this penalty shootout should have been won by both sides earlier than 11-10. I think Rui um, sh- really should have made about three saves. Uh, De Gea should have saved uh, whose penalty. It was like the third oh, penalty from Villarreal. It wasn't many. wasn't many. Uh, I felt like really had more, a lot more opportunities yeah. to save than De Gea. De Gea, got, De Gea got a really strong hand to one of the penalties that went to his right, third or fifth penalty in. Yeah. can't remember who took it now. Um, and he yeah, should have yeah. saved it. And then... 
as it would have played out, United would have won the penalty shootout 5-4, right? But that's me being critical. I feel like as a keeper, keeper coach, someone who's kept in a couple of shootouts as well, you always feel as a keeper, there's never any pressure on you. But if you go the right way and get a hand on it, you always feel like you should have saved it, right? Really it doesn't matter three. how. It really should have saved Luke Shaw's uh, yeah. 9, 9.9 times out of 10. Luke Shaw's penalty was as bad as the Hayes, and it somehow hit really goes under him and in. Really, of a quality keeper, really should have saved that. Yeah. It should have been game over. When I saw him hit that penalty and really go the right way, uh, me and the barista both thought that we won our money, right? In the end, wasn't the case, right? And then in the end, you know, really makes the exact same dive, makes the save against the Hayes because the Hayes penalty was... The only difference between Shaw's and the Hayes, Shaw hit his with a little bit of pace. The Hayes yeah. didn't even hit his, right? But the penalty shootout, apart from that, there was some quality penalties in this shootout. You know, yeah. Coughlin steps up a seventh penalty taker. The guy wasn't in the five, and he goes it. and puts it, levers it roof of the net, top bins. Like, yeah. he's just prime Zizou. Fred's and as well, I thought, was unreal too. Fred, Fred, Fred steps up. I said to the Bristol, this is the penalty we can save here, Fred's. Um, and he goes, bang. There was, under some pressure, there was some guys that proved. And the next time yeah. their respective teams were in a shootout, get him in the five. Because yeah, they hit some... Th- this this shootout, sometimes you look at 11-10 shootout and you can pinpoint some moments where keepers sort of saved it. I think that's the same in any shootout. But you, I would struggle to find, you know, over that whole penalty shootout, a better penalties that you would have seen for a deepest penalty shootout as it was. Yeah, than, you know, I agree. Think Liverpool had a crazy one in the Cabaret Cup. We were on yeah, camp Borough. in a tent, right? Ben's Borough. And when we watched that penalty shootout back, there was probably about six, seven, eight penalties that should have been saved or if the keeper went the right way, it would have been in. These penalties here, apart from the couple that we've mentioned, the rest of them were like top bin, bomb. Yeah, nothing or off the post. Bin, or... you know, uh, I think there was one that hit the inside of the post and went in. Um, Jared Moreno, I think. Oh, maybe. Hit the inside of the post and went in. I'm trying to struggle now because it's nearly a week ago now. Yeah, I can't remember. But um, yeah, it, look, what a game. I'm glad Villarreal got up. Uh, I predicted it. I said that my boys, they win this. They have won it. They've done me They've done me a solid. Thank you very much. Um, Oli, we've slagged him off a little. I think there's nothing better as a Liverpool fan slagging off a Man United coach. But I'm still going to say this to the Man United listeners here. If you give the guy some bit more time and you buy the right players and you don't go crazy and the Cronkies go out there and spend the right money, doesn't spend money just to make you happy, that they spend the right money in the right areas, they're going to be good next year. And I, I, this gets me excited. Chelsea looking good. City are going to be City. United could be really strong. We should be back to full health. It's going to be a really good year next year in the Premier League. 100%. Speaking about next year in the Premier League, one uh, more big I, I transitioned that so well, didn't I? Yeah. That was good. Pat on the yeah. back, Damien. Unreal. I've meant that every little bit. That's brilliant stuff. One more Lucky big game ball. to talk about this weekend, which we had the pleasure of actually watching together. And we haven't watched the game like properly together for quite a while. Yeah, it has been a while. been happening and they haven't been, the times have been crap for us. So oh, we've had a chance hard. to watch a big game together. So Yeah, because nice we wanted to watch some... We wanted to watch some Liverpool games, and every one of our Liverpool games was like four thirty in the morning, two thirty in the morning. We're like going far, yeah. and mainly Sundays, yeah. Monday mornings. You got work, and I'm like, oh, because yeah, normally season season, season gone past, we've gone out to watch Saturday night games and stuff. And yeah, here we just sucked. Like, yeah, it's when we yeah. sucked, and we had the nice time slots for Australia. But yeah. obviously, Liverpool being prime time means Liverpool get crap times for Australia. So. Yeah. Big playoff final back at Wembley, which is nice to see, actually. Um, We've both been to Wembley. Over. It's nice. It's yeah, a nice little facility, gone, gone through the, the tunnel there and held up the uh, fake FA Cup or the backup yes. one. 
Yes, we yeah. have. So for me, there was only one winner in this game. Oh, we all predicted here. it. I hadn't actually watched any Swansea, but I just felt looking at who they had and just where they'd gone this year, I always felt confident, um, which is why I backed the result 2-0. Um, you backed it incorrect. I was well pretty done. happy with that one. Um, but look, the game for me, the first 20 minutes was really fiery and it was back and forward, but Swansea didn't really offer anything uh, going no, they forward didn't. at all. Uh, Brentford managed to get the penalty and then the Marcondes sort of counter-attack, good finish, near post. Great finish. And at 2-0, we said to each other, "There's, you know, it's going to take Swansea a lot to get back in this game. Jamal Lowe couldn't get involved. They just didn't have an out. They just couldn't get out of that just, just, midfield area, really. They just couldn't create anything. They lack the quality to go up to the Premier League, so I'm really happy Swansea haven't. Um, what I've mentioned in previous pods about Swansea is just came true in the final. Like Against Barnsley, they had maybe 20, 25 minutes of good football, they scored, right? Here they had maybe a 10-minute spell of good football. Andre A should have scored. Um, yeah, that header. The header that he glanced wide from point blank. I, don't, I can't even understand how he hasn't scored, Paul. Um, but uh, um, that was it, really. Like They never really had that moment. Where against Barnsley, they had a few little spells, and in those spells over both leagues, they scored. Um, and it sums yeah, up Barnsley look, though Barnsley aren't at the level of uh, Brentford either I think Barnsley would have given us out. a bit more of a final because they would have been really aggressive as well and it would have been a bit more of a flowing final the one thing I took out of this final was how physical it was yeah, yeah. there was tackles flying in from minute one when the Swansea's captain should have been sent off uh, within yeah, five studs minutes up. studs up very high uh, over ankle high Late. studs showing like, trailing leg um, yeah. If that has VAR, if the final had VAR, he's off within yeah. five minutes. Um, and it was just, and it was non-stop. There was tackle after tackle after tackle, especially from Swansea. Swansea kind of came out and looked to impose themselves. Where Brentford came out and said, "Nah, we're, we're gonna just gonna football. we're just gonna play our football because we're the best team in the championship and we're going up. There's nothing you can do about it." Um, and in the end, after twenty minutes, we turned to each other and said, "That's it." Yeah, you can uh, see you it. Writing right, right was on the wall. I think. The big thing is everyone's talking about Ivan Tony, and yes, he scored the penalty once again, but I just think in the second leg and the final, he just hasn't managed to get himself into the game. He gets himself into good positions, but he hasn't managed to get himself to dominate games. I think that little unsung hero, and I mentioned it to you before the game, was Brian Embuemo. He's, He's just, unreal. He is just a rocket full of energy. And in the second uh, leg against uh, Brentford, he was the catalyst to them getting back in the game. And then, uh, you know, on the weekend in the final, he wins the penalty. But his, he's so direct. Like, his runs... He's crazy. He, without the ball, with the ball, he's unbelievable to watch. So if you haven't watched Brentford, and everyone's talking about the 30-something goal, whatever it is, 30-something goals, the 40 goals, maybe, I can't remember that Ivan Tony scored this year, go watch Brian Embuemo. Just look at the way he carries the and ball, he, left foot, right foot. He creates foot. goals for, for Ivan yeah. Tony as well. That's creates defences issues, gives Tony space, his quality on either foot. I love Compl- him a lot. I'm really, he's really impressed me the last few weeks in the big games as well. And that's where, for me, it matters more. He's really stepped it up when their backs are against the wall um, initially. So for me, I think that's a big takeaway. The red card... Tough, looked really bad. Um, oh, live! Me and you, me and you started laughing because it was that bad. We thought, well, there was no the need. camera, 
The camera angle that we watched it from was obviously the camera's right, right on the touchline. They're in the touchline. It was right behind. We didn't see no step on the shoe or nothing. It just looked like he just come from behind, double footed knee high, him. and just, <laughs> just brought him down. And we just pissed it. Me and you pissed it laughing. Going, what was that? <laughs> You're off. Like the um, definition and, of no need. Like yeah, guys going yeah, nowhere. I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah, he just chopped him for no reason, and we couldn't believe how he was so surprised and like immediately yeah. like how is it red shocked? And then you watch the replay and you're like, wow, he's actually oh, really unlucky. Yeah, um, and that's another one with VAR probably. Yeah, well, yeah. VAR probably gets rid of the Swansea captain in five minutes in. Yeah, VAR so returns this to a yellow card. Or we'll show your hope. Show your hope anyway with VAR being VAR. Who knows? But yeah. um, he's clearly not trying to foul him or anything. And he's caught the back no, of his heel. He's got caught and tripped and took yeah, him down. Then he's tripped. And because he's tripped, the referee's looking at it from behind view. He's seen his legs come up and take <laughs> him down. And it's like, whatever. <laughs> it's just, it's so unlucky. Because like, if he f- steps on him and they fall over and his legs don't go up and they, don't, and they f- t- just tumble over and they just trip over each other. It's just a foul, right? But because he's... Steps on him as his foot's coming up and his foot's going down. It forces Jay Fulton to like flip his legs forward. He he does fall. He, he falls on his ass, it's and because so of that, it, it's so it's funny. He falls on his ass because of that. His two legs have gone in the air, just brought down um, the the Brentford player, and he's got to go. It's, for me, it, yeah. It, for me, he just summed up the game, didn't it? it he, did, like, he did. He did. It, it just wasn't it was, Swansea's day. And then that yeah. from that red card, like. Brentford didn't have to do much. Swansea didn't threaten. Second the, half, the, Brentford the game didn't even come out, out and play football. Yeah, the game second half, Brent, Brentford's like, we're two to what? We don't have to do anything. We don't think yeah. you're going to break us down. We're just going to keep it. And that um, was frustrating to watch a little bit because the game was so good to that point. First half, yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. But, anyway, but I understand that in a final. You know, you get through, you got to do what you got to do, and that was smart and... Look, the only thing I would touch on with the Ivan Tony is that, unlike in the second leg where he's like really struggled to get in the game, I thought for the first 30 minutes he was unbelievable, and then after that he just died, right? Yeah, that volley. That, that volley onto the bar pool. Oh, my oh, God. God. I wish that went in. Yeah, I if felt that like went in, in the second leg against Brentford, he was always in the game, but the headers were going wide or the shots were going high and wide. But It was I mean, a different like, type of out of the game. I thought like he yeah, went right for him in the second leg. His hold-up play was played. Good. Here he kind of played play like 25 good. minutes and then was just... Oh, just Gave him a good there. outlet, but then... yeah. Well, bring the in, that's all he had to do second half was just be the outlet, be physical, just so they couldn't win the ball back quick straight away, Swansea, and that was it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and they, they just had to manage the game, but look, I thought... Look, full credit to Swansea. Um, full credit to Swansea. Well, full credit to Swansea because they made the playoff final. You know, it takes some guts to get there, right? Um, but full credit to Brentford is what I was meant to say. Don't deserve to go up. Should have been up last season. Um, and hopefully they keep the same squad. Um, we talked about it on the couch while watching the game. Jamal Lowe to Brentford would be a very good signing. That would be very, very oh, exciting. If he plays on the left, Emblem on the right, and Tony's oh in the middle. Oh, my God. They are going to be so deadly on the break. Yeah, and I, I just think that that second goal that you've seen in that final is going to be the blueprint for what you're going to see Swansea do in the Premier League. And I'm going to go out on a limb right now. Swansea, sorry, Brentford. I'm going to go out on a limb right now. And say this that if they don't lose too many players, which I don't think they're going to, because they just got promoted into the prem, they aren't going down next year. Yeah, early predictions for me is they'll hang around. I think being in London as well, there's a there's a draw card. You know, they're not a, you know, a Norwich. They're not a, 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 a. I mean, Watford's close to London, but you want to be in London, and I feel like they've yeah. got that marketability um, to really try and bring in a couple of players. Hopefully, they don't bring in 
six, seven, eight, nine. Hopefully, they just bring a few in just to like strengthen. For me, they've got to probably get a, a centre back in because Pontus Janssen's probably not going to be at the quality at the Premier League, and they probably need. They, they can get someone alone. You know who yeah, they should they get alone? Reese Williams should go there. Oh, that'd be beautiful. Exactly. Playing the back three, the per- playing the middle of the three. Perfect for Liverpool yeah. and Brentford. Yeah, I agree. That's and then they probably need shot. a central midfielder, another central midfielder. I think they need like a defensive midfielder. Uh, they've got you know Norgard and whatever, but I think they're sort of yeah, just, they just a need little bit is, of quality. With teams that come up like Norwich, every time they come up, we go yeah, but where's the quality apart from Pookie? Is not and, and this year yeah with this year Watford coming up. We always say that Watford have the potential, but never really do. Brentford's one of the very few teams they come up and you go, you know what, that squad could probably stay up as is. And if they get the right couple links, they're going to be good. Yeah. I'm not going to say like top 10 good, but they've got to be better than the rest at the bottom half. Yeah, I agree. Um, they're going to be competitive. Uh, they're going to be very competitive. They're never going to be out of it, I don't think. Who knows? It, Premier League's a funny old game. They could come in and get smacked 5-0 every week. We got that horribly wrong. I just don't see that happening with Brentford. And yeah. Yeah. So, well, speaking about next season. Oh, my God. Look how much has gone on outside of finals this week in football. It has yeah. been mental. Canate finally locked and loaded. I think that's positive for us, just to touch on that briefly. Oh, yeah, we touched on that briefly. Uh, it was always happening, it's just a matter of when. It does mean Cabot's going to go. He's actually officially packed up out of his house in Merseyside yeah, and leaving. Um, I actually think there is a part of that that Liverpool are going to go... Yeah, he's leaving. We're not going to pay the, what, 26 and a half mil, I think, was the, the fee. 18. Uh, 18 mil was the fee. Yeah. Uh, I swear Fulton Manager have it. It's 26 and a half. Um, 18. 18. I think Liverpool are going to send him back and go, yeah, but you got relegated. Would you take 10? No, I don't, think, I, think, I don't think he would have packed his house up if they knew. If, they, if Liverpool said we're going to go in for another bid, maybe he would have hung around a little bit longer. I just, I just don't know. Um, I wouldn't say out of the realm's possibility Liverpool go, oh, but we'll take him for cheaper than 18 mil. I don't think it's going to happen. We also signed a... It seems like we're going to sign the wonder kid. I can't pronounce his name. He's a Ghanaian under 20 boy. And he's got, two, he's got two goals in the goal of the tournament for um, the African Cup of Nations. And he looks like the real deal. Um, he was off to buy Leverkusen and he pulled out last minute because Liverpool became interested. Um, and it looks by all sorts of reports coming out of Liverpool that he's going to be the second signing. From what he nice. looks like on Football Manager, I haven't seen him in real life. He could be quite the signing. Um, yeah, that's why we have to wait and see, isn't it? Yeah, um, that's, he's not going to get a work permit coming in. Apparently, he's going to go straight back out on loan as soon as he comes in. Yeah, um, which is fine, but... Maybe he's another one of those guys that Liverpool bring in that will peter out, but hopefully he's one of those guys. There's very few guys that Liverpool have brought in and he have comes. turned into an absolute prospect. And yeah, and I really hope the kid is good. And I just hope he's a, he's got a good head on his shoulders and you know does all the right things. And even if he doesn't, you know, take the step up at Liverpool, just hope we give him the base to get that potential and becomes a great player for Ghana and go on right. Yeah, because I think it'd be good for African football to have another wonder kid come out and actually make it from yeah, out of Africa. So yeah. And then the other big news, Massimo Allegri finally back in a job, which I love. And I think Juve's fitting as well. They've realised they've screwed is too. up. I think, I think Allegri have kind of just been waiting for this job. Uh, I didn't think he was really interested in anything else. I think he would have gone to Real Madrid if they asked. Um, yeah. But I think Allegri really wanted to go back to Juve and Italy and 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. we could talk about this for, for ages, but the, the merry-go-round probably deserves half an episode to itself. So I feel a bit more comfortable to leave some of the bigger discussions for a little bit now and just until things start to settle yeah, after but, the Euros. But there is a big one to talk about just for our sake, yeah. which I think is massive, which is Big Ange Posikoglu. To Celtic is Which is huge. really surprising. The merry-go-round... The merry-go-round has really started. So we obviously had Allegri, Allegri go because Zidane stepped down. Conte to Real Madrid seems to be almost certainly done. Yeah. And then we have all this, obviously things going on with the Spurs job and et cetera, et cetera. We're not going to go around the merry-go-round. We'll know more about the merry-go-round throughout the week and we'll probably have to touch on it next week because it's going to be forever evolving. Um, I think personally after Euros, you'll know more as well. Southgate yeah. and inverted commas. And Postacoglu to Celtic. A lot has happened here over the last 72 hours. Um, I, have you, I don't know if you've been keeping up the date of it, Paul. No, um, not heaps. I've been following this to a tilt because there is a lot happening. And from, two, from about 24 hours ago, I would have said he's got the job. To I'm now going all the way to the other side and I'm going to tell you that he's not going to get the job. Um, yeah. A lot has happened. I'm just going to break down the kind of timeline. Eddie Howe's come in, agreed terms with Celtic. Celtic fans really happy. It's Eddie Howe. Good manager. He's not Brendan Rodgers, but, you know, similar sort of cut, you know, sort of manager. Done a good job at Bournemouth. I rate him as a manager. Fit Celtic. Yeah, great. Celtic, for whatever reason, has been a little bit stingy of late, money-wise. Don't know why. Um, don't follow Scottish football enough to know. And they had trouble bringing in Eddie Howe's Bournemouth backroom staff that he had. Um, and because of that, uh, even though they had Bournemouth, uh, even though they, sorry, had um, Eddie Howe and Celtic had an agreement, signed contract, ready to go, because they couldn't get his backroom staff over the line, Eddie apparently wasn't happy to sign. Apparently that's the rumour. There's no confirmed report that that's exactly the rumour, but there's a lot of people reporting that because the backroom staff couldn't get settled, Eddie Howe decided to pull the pin on Celtic. Yeah. Right? Not Celtic pulling the pin. Now, apparently... And was in the discussion to initially get the job from Celtic anyway, but Celtic kind of wanted to go down the manager route of, I want a bigger manager. And then they've gone and said, you know what? Fine, if you want to do that, we've got the right guy that we want to bring in is Ange, right? And I think he fits perfectly. Um, guy that plays a great brand of football, is very strong to his conviction. I feel like when you go into a job like Celtic, you need to be strong to what you believe in. Like Tuchel is at Chelsea, right? He's very strong. He only plays his way. He doesn't change anything. You know, his first year at Hiroshima was horrid, but he said, this will work. Off we go, and it, it's working, right? Yeah. Um, he came out, apparently Terms, he's already talked to the club originally. He's then talked to the club again since Eddie Howe's left. Apparently Terms have already sort of agreed and ready to go. The reason why I've then turned around and said, no, it's not going to happen. This morning, outside, in Celtic, massive protests from the club, from the club's fans. They've Jeez. come out. They've gone like it's like they've won the Champions League. That many fans around the Celtic ground have gone out and protested that they don't want an Australian manager or a manager with no real experience coming into this football club and have made their voices heard big time. I think that's very harsh on Ange because obviously Ange is a great manager. We know more about him than what Celtic fans do, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, because they're not going to follow the Japanese league or whatever, right? But... Because of that, I think the Celtic board will backflip, go, well, we can't really bring him in because of that, and they'll have to go find a manager, which may not suit Celtic as much. I think he suits Celtic, Celtic perfectly. He plays good brand of football, Celtic type away of football, um, and is very strong mentally and would be pretty good in the league, I feel. Um, yeah, I but agree. 
I think they're going to backflip now. When you have a fan base that has come out in their thousands to protest against the potential manager you bring in, what board is going to go out there and go, yeah, we're still going to bring this guy in anyway? Yeah. I yeah, think the massive. board will get scared off it. Um, there's two ways it's going to go. I think the way that I'm saying they're going to get scared off and not do it, or the board's going to come out and go, no, this is the guy we want. This is the guy that's going to bring best success. Tough it out, stick it up, give the guy a go, and Ange will get the job. For Ange, it's massive. I think Ange is going to jump on the job if he can get it straight away. Apparently, it sounds like he, he is jumping for the job like, as good as he can um, yeah. and is the front runner and the bookie's favourite. But um, from the reports coming then. out... Yeah, it's big pressure. But I think Ange is ready for this step in his managerial career. Yeah, He's the same. best manager that's come out of Australia in a long time, I if agree. not ever. Um, and he is good enough for what he's done in football to get this job on merit. The only problem is, is where the board sees it as this is the right guy for this, this, and this reason. The fans see it, well, this is an Australian manager we've never heard of. So why, are yeah. getting, why are you bringing him in? And it's the same thing that happened to him with the Sunderland job. You know, you, you've watched, uh, you've watched um, the Sunderland documentary there. Um, yeah. Well, whatever it is, something to our die. When yeah. Chris Coleman comes in, the front runner, apparently, without being filmed and whatever, was Ange Postacoglu for that job, back when he was at Brisbane Raw. Um, yeah. And the only reason he didn't bring in, according to Michael Bridges, who come out and said it now, because it's been a long award under the bridge, is that they rang him for a reference, gave him a reference, and the bold-headed owner, I can't remember his name now, came out and said, well, no, I, I think he's the right guy for the job. I just don't think we can bring him because the fans won't be happy. And that insight into the way our chairman runs a club is probably what's going to happen with Celtic. It's going to cost Ange a job in Europe. And Ange desperately managing in Europe is probably going to have to wait for another job. For me, Ange is probably going to have to take a step down from Celtic to get a job in Europe. But hopefully he gets a job somewhere in Europe, if it's not Celtic, somewhere else. Does well, gets a bigger job, like then a Celtic catapult. job. And then, yeah. Yeah, and then catapult. Well, we were talking about it at coaching today with a couple other coaches. Um, and if you've got the Celtic job and does well, that's kind of your way into the Premier League. Could 100%. you imagine Ange Postecoglou in 10 years managing in the Prem? Man, I'd love that. I would love so that too. I'd get behind him. It would be, yeah. be massive because it provides coaches away from Australia to see there's your pathway to get into yeah, coaching abroad in Europe. Go to Asia, do well in Asia, and then, and then you get out, out, right? And he could be he could set the tone for Australian coaches. It could be massive Australian football. Fortunately for Celtics fans, they don't see it, see it like yeah, that. They see 100%. it as... Uh, you know, and yeah, because they care about their club and their success, you, you, I guess. You, you get it, don't you, Paul? Like, if Ange Postecoglou was linked with a Liverpool job and, you know, you didn't know who the hell yeah. he was, yeah, you know, know. you'd be up in arms too. Um, I just wish they went about it different way, Celtic fans, you know. If that's the guy it's the, the board thinks is correct, it, trust the board and get behind him. It's the fact that Eddie Howe was practically done, so the fans had, like, a month and a half. That's where it is. If Ange initially got told, you know, we're looking at this guy... Yeah, and they've I done their the, research. It's it's a reaction because they were keen on Eddie Howe. And then it's just disappointing. It's clearly Eddie it Howe number one. Next, it didn't matter who the next guy in charge is because the fans clearly see that he's not the number one priority. I think Celtic fans really want like, another Brendan Rodgers. And I'm like, well, there's not another Brendan Rodgers floating around. Eddie yeah. Howe's clearly their number one for obvious reasons. And uh, but your number two, they should trust it. Who do they want to bring in then? What, some guy that doesn't have as good as a pedigree, but because he's English? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. More, more to work on in there. I really hope he gets the job. I just don't think it's going to happen, but yeah. Yeah, all right. I think we'll transition into the questions we've now got because the stadium has been popping over the weekend and we've got a whole heap of questions. So I'm actually going to 
jump to one to start with from JS just to break yep. the mood a little bit. Apple or orange juice, Damo, uh, what's your preference? I was, I was hoping we were going to do this last because there's a bit of a discussion here and this is a good question. No, and short somebody, answer, no. Not allowed to. Yes or uh, one Orange or the other. juice by a mile. Yep, orange, done. All right, done. JS, uh, great question. I'd love to elaborate. Continue with JS. All right, who would you drop from the 33 to make it 26? So you, For the England squad. Uh, you got to cut six people out of this squad. I'm, yeah, you got the squad in front of me here. Yeah, so for me, I'm taking out Sam Ramsdale. Uh, I'm taking three keepers, not four. Yeah, you obviously take three. You're taking Pickford. You're taking... Johnston um, and Henderson. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think... There's one person done. I should have done these in different colours, shouldn't I? All right, no, it's fine. Def- who do you think from the defenders you're going to take out? Um, I think Ben Godfrey's just gone for experience. We're going to take him out. Ben Godfrey, I'll get rid of him in a second. Um, I, I think it just depends on who he wants to play. Tyron Mings, I think, is going to go out. Yeah, same. I think Mings goes. Where's and Tyron? I think where is Ben Where is Ben White? He's probably just gone for experience as well and he's going to go out. But it wouldn't All surprise right. me if he gets in. Um, and that leaves Connor Cody, uh, Harry Maguire, John Stones and as your centre-backs. Walker. Kyle Walker can play centre-back. Kieran yeah. Trippier is obviously going to go. And then I think it leaves Trent, Reese James fighting for one spot because Ben Chill will be safe on the other side. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's going so, to go. I think he's going to go Reese James, but for me, I'm taking Reese James out of that squad. He's taking Reese James out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's hard. You've got three, three recognised right backs without Kyle Walker, so one has to go. Yeah, I'm of the same opinion. I think Trippier, I would personally. I know he's just won a Champions League final, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but he's the guy would, that if you looked at Liverpool, I would be taking Trippier out. But I think Gareth Southgate takes Trippier. Just yeah, based well, on same here. Oh well, Trippier. They did win. Atletico did win the league. It's yeah, but he wasn't involved. He wasn't involved. He was suspended for three months, whatever it was. Yeah, unless you're taking out another midfielder and you're taking Trent as a midfield cover. I don't think there's enough midfielders to take out. Yeah, that's the issue. Depends. Um, From what he's been saying in the press, that he's like, oh, but Trent and Reese James can play in the middle of the park. Oh, you got to remember. Oh, wait a minute. We've got other people on the... you got to scroll down a little bit. We've got some more people underneath as well. Yeah, I knew that. I'm oh, you knew that? that? All right, yeah. well, we've got one more person to take out, and I know who it is, or I know who I'm taking out. Uh, and, it, and it pains me to take him out. What? Oh, Ollie Watkins, yeah. That's that's standalone. Yeah, Ollie's simple, easy. I think Saka's going out as well. Well, that's six. That's six. All right, let's have a look. So that's our squad. All right, Paul. Take out Saka. Take out Saka. And who do you put in Reese James? Yeah, I And I reckon you're done. Nah, Saka's your backup left back. Saka is your backup left back. I think, you're, I think he'll risk it and he will play Reese nah, James and nah. Trent at left back. You have to... Oh, God, what have I done? You have to go with Saka. I so think going, he can play on the going, wing. You're taking Jude Bellingham. I am. I, I I would hope he does too. I just think he does it. I take Bellingham because I don't know what I'm going to get out of Henderson. Yeah, That's Henderson covered. Yeah, because he's been injured. And I think for someone of his age, it'd be really good I think James Will Trousto is going to cover Henderson though. He's not in the squad. Oh, he's in the squad. Ooh. 
No, I think you got to take Bellingham. He's that good. It's almost like he a Theo is. Walcott thing. You just take him yeah. for the experience. Um, with That's a twenty-six man squad, you can cover him. Obviously, you got Calvin Phillips, you got Declan Rice, you got James Ward-Prowse. Bellingham might play that last group game, maybe just to get maybe. him a game. But I, I, I mean, for me, maybe you take one or more of the centre backs. Maybe Ben White actually comes along. And you take you out Jude to, Bellingham then, and you maybe take out Jude Bellingham that. Yeah, way, you know what? Which I like you take, that. You know what? Jesse Lingard to miss out, Jude Bellingham to make it. Oh yeah, could do that. There's so a few yeah. options for that last spot. Yeah, it depends on what your balance looks like. I think Grealish goes, Greenwood goes, Kane goes, Rashford goes. I think Saka goes because of his versatility. Jaden Sancho goes and Raheem Sterling probably goes, goes as well. Yep. So what have we got there? One, two, three, four, five. I've got five out at the moment. I've added Ben White back in. I reckon Jesse Lingard misses out. I agree. I think you need the All extra right. Is that back. our squad? That's my squad, and I'm happy with that squad. I'd like Ollie Watkins to go, but I just don't think. Henderson, Over... Johnstone, Pickford, Trent, yeah. Chiwell, Connor Cody, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Trippier, Walker, Ben oh, White. I like that. I could see why. I actually didn't think about Luke Shaw. I'd be happy to take Saka out now, actually, if we need to. I would actually like to... Oh, if he goes two up front, I'd be happy to take Saka out and take Ollie Watkins. It's going to be very interesting to see what he goes with, isn't it? Yeah, if he goes one up front, then Ollie Watkins doesn't go because you've got Calvert-Lewin, Kane, nah, but he'll, Greenwood, he'll be, Rashford. No, nah, there's no way Ollie Watkins goes. There's no way Watkins goes. Well, then are you taking Reese James over Saka then because you've got left-back cover? Got right back cover too, though. You... If he plays a back three, Walker's got to start in the three. And then yeah, he's yeah maybe back. you take Reese James. Yeah, on uh, merit. Let's go with that. On merit, on merit you got to take Reese James, I think. Uh, out, out of the group, that's not in there. That's so we reckon Ollie Watkins, Saka, Tyron Mings, and Ben Godfrey, and Aaron Ramsdale, they're five guys that are definitely going to miss out. And then there's a it's... lot of guys fighting for one spot. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. Our squad, as it stands Henderson. John Stone, Pickford, Trent, Chiwell, Connor Cody, James, Maguire, Shaw, Stones, Trippier, Walker, White. That's your defence done. That's a big defence. Yeah, but he plays Huge in the back defense. five. Yeah. Jude Bellingham, Jordan Henderson, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, James Ward-Prowse, Phil Foden, go. There's your midfielders. Yeah, Greenish. Greenwood, Rashford, Sancho, Sterling as your wingers. Right? Leaves you Kane, Calvert-Lewin, up top. I don't like only taking two. I mean, I guess Greenwood could play central. Greenwood plays play central as well. And yeah. I think you could use Raheem Sterling through the middle, but I wouldn't personally. Yeah. Yeah, I think, but I think that's your squad. Covered. I think that's your squad. It, I want to leave that in the run sheet. I want to see how close we get to that. Yeah, I'm going to leave it in the run sheet too. I've got to change the colours to make All it right. clear. If, you get, in, if you are listening from the stadium and oh, yeah, if you're listening just whatever and you want yeah. to get involved in the chat link down below to the stadium of course there are podcasts the discord um, I want to hear what your predictions are and what you would change boys in the stay uh, in the podcast uh, tab so let me know once you listen to this what would you be your prediction um, for the English squad I think that's a great question from JS yeah thank you once again JS I'm going to tweak this next question because again this isn't a very open ended one that we could be on for a while Yep. So Dim's asked, who are the youngsters to watch during the Euros? I want you to give me one youngster that you're keen to watch in these Euros. 
Is he young? Who? Oh, he, he's young, but he's, he's, young. he's established. Phil Foden. Yeah, that counts. I'll give you that. What about I've you? Got, mine's a bit more outside the box for a few reasons. Yeah. I've gone with Dominic Slobberslai. I think. Yeah, he's Hungarian. He's a free. He's unreal. Yeah. Love him. I think with his transfer to Leipzig as well, um, I think this is his time, really. He's sort of done little bits and pieces in the Champions League with Salzburg. And when I saw that question this afternoon, that's where my mind went straight away. I went and checked the He was on my radar, sure. but Phil Foden's Phil Foden. <laughs> yeah, well, young, Phil Foden's established and he's playing for Man City. But yeah, I knew, I knew what Dim meant. It just, yeah. For me, I think... This is Slobber's last tournament. Hungary haven't been around for a while in major tournaments. So he's the, you know, for such a young guy, he's the leader of that team. And it'll be good to see what he can do exactly. moving forward. So let us know in the stadium who you think some of the better youngsters are going to be at this tournament. And then this sort of fades into my little thought process there. Russo has asked... What team will have the fairy uh, fairy tale story at this tournament, such as Iceland or Wales from 2016? Hungary's a good shout. They're not my shout, though. Mine are Turkey. Turkey. Oh, see, I, I don't know if we can say... I think Turkey are a little dark horse. I think they are, too. They've got a very good squad and in qualifying. See, I think, I think, I think Russo is talking about a team that's like got no real reputation and make it really deep. Where I think Turkey's got a bit of a reputation. Turkey can win this. I'd say Turkey would be on the same level as Wales, though, from that 2016 tournament. No, I think Turkey are ahead of what Wales were in 2016. They've got a bit more better reputation in football. I'll give it to you, but I'm going to go on the lesser end of the scale. I'm actually going to say Denmark will shock people and get out the group. Who's in their group? Have you got it there? Um, I will get it up in a second. Yeah, I think Denmark's squad as a, a whole is not bad. I would have liked um, to have seen Norway in this tournament, to be honest. Yeah, I like, think Norway were the one. Yeah, that was disappointing. I would have loved to have seen Odegaard and Haaland. And yeah, just... I think that would have been... I thought that really would have been good. Um, I'm just getting up the group now here, Paul. I mean, most um, of the groups are pretty competitive, to be honest. So I think so, too. See, Denmark are with Belgium, Finland and Russia, and I think Denmark can beat mm. Russia. That's, yeah, they're fighting for that second spot there. Yeah, they are. I think Belgium are your odds-on favourites to probably win the tournament. I think um, from memory, well, Austria, Austria had an interesting group too. So they're Yeah, Austria side. got Ukraine, Northern Macedonia and the Netherlands. Yeah, that's a good um, group. I don't think Northern Macedonia are going to do anything. Um, nah. Who else is that sort of team? Croatia have too much reputation. Yeah, Poland Hungary. for me have too much... Poland for me have too many too much reputation. Hungary probably Hungary's the other one for me. Yeah. yeah, but they're in the group of death, which is a shame. Yeah, with um, Portugal, France, and Germany. So yeah, that's a group. huge group. Can, I, when we do our when we do our preview group, oh we're going to be speaking about God. Group F for like whatever. I will be watching every game in Group F <laughs> for this whole tournament. Imagine if imagine if Hungary get out of that group. That would be if huge. Hungary get out of that group. That means that two of France or Germany or Portugal are out. Yeah, I that's, know, that's nuts, and all three of them can win this. I know. I actually think mental. Germany are going to be the team that will miss out uh, out of those four. By the way. Yeah, it's between Portugal, yeah, Portugal, Germany, Portugal, Germany fighting for that mate, fr- spot. Fr- France finished fourth in this group out of nowhere. No, nah, oh, never, God. never. Not with the squad they've got. Anyhow, there, there, there you are. There we go. I just think because definitely, I think Italy, Turkey, Switzerland, Wales, Turkey definitely getting out the group, maybe even top the group um, yeah. as well. Yeah, but, I'm uh, interested to see how they go. Yeah, I think, I'll, I'll give you Turkey as a group. I'm just thinking for a team that hasn't got real reputation that'll make it out of the group, I think it's Denmark. 
I think they've got a decent squad, a couple of decent little youngsters. Uh, there are a team that I know enough about because I've been doing my long-term saving for manager with Denmark, so maybe a little bit biased, but I kind of know who's going to be in and around that squad, and I think they can do a job, especially yeah. against Finland and Russia. Yeah, that's fair. So ah. I think this uh, question kind of answers itself. Who are you going for? Well, I'm an, I'm an Italian, so Italian background, so Italy, and I think Italy aren't going to win the Euros, but they will prove why by making out the group and being very competitive in the knockout stage. I'm not going to put it where they're going to finish because it's football. Anything can happen. In the style of football Italy play, Italy are going to prove in this competition in the Euros why they will be a threat come the World Cup with a team that would have got experience. That's a bit of a younger team that Italy have taken than what they've done in previous tournaments as well, which is good. And I think this Italian team will prove in the Euros why they will be a bit of a team to watch out for come the World Cup in 2024. Yeah, that's what or 20, I like, so uh, 2024, 2022. 2022 um, next yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I'm not backing anybody. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy because my guys bottled it once again and Go got on, close please. and missed out because of some crappy Euro League ranking crap. So we had a better goal difference than Bosnia and Bosnia went through to the qualifier thing rather than us. So... Is what it is. It was the first in any other year we would have got to the qualifier um, stage. Stage, yeah. But because our nations league was lower than theirs, the incentive goes to Bosnia. So for me, I'm just going to kick back in and watch whatever. So the next question is: There anyone you would see before you ask the next question? I'll ask you a question. Anyone you would love to see win it? Uh, is there a team out there really. that you really love to see win it? For me, there's one in my mind. If Verge was playing, I would have said Netherlands. There's one in my mind I really want to see win it if it's not Italy. Who? Belgium. Nah, I don't really care about Belgium. I just think they've got a squad. They've got such good players. It's, uh, it's a national team attached. that hasn't performed. I'm, I'm not, not like I'm attached to Belgium, but I, I would love to see Belgium just nah, do it. I don't know. Just to get the, get the monkey off the back. I want to see England do well, to be honest. I don't. Oh, I do and I don't. I do, but I don't because I don't like Southgate. So yeah, I don't rate Southgate, but I just the squad's just unbelievable. Like, oh, it's a it's a mental squad, and like if they do do well, I hope Phil Foden absolutely kills it and just continues this upward yeah. trend of I think Phil it's just a bit of Premier League bias as well. You know, it's the one yeah. league I watch. I, I, look, most, I so. always I always always look for England to do well in most competitions. I'm not saying that I want England to do bad. I just um, it's mainly because of Southgate. I think any other year I would say if Italy go out, England come on, man. It's usually yeah, what I me, do in these tournaments, so... Yeah, it just sucks. I haven't got anyone to jump on, so it's a bit annoying, but it is what it yeah, is. You'll watch so many good games of football and the Copa America on at the same time. We're going to be watching so much football. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. So... Yeah. Next question. We're up to... Would Pep be better if he wasn't bold? And I'm going to advocate for bold people and say no. I actually think because he is bold, it makes him better. So you're, so, you're the same opinion. Yeah, no. because yeah, I'm saying no because uh, if he had hair, he would lose it all. But how much he overthinks, yeah. so yeah, done. That's that's how he lost it. He lost it all in Germany. Yeah. All right. Shadow wants us to state who we think Arsenal's next manager is going to be, and I actually don't really feel that comfortable answering this question because I've got an answer for you. I just don't know how long Arteta's going to be in that job. It for, doesn't so change. What it. It doesn't change. Arteta's got the job, and he's yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's it. why I don't. That's why I don't feel comfortable answering it because I don't think that There's change no is going to happen this offseason. Manager change at all? Of course, I agree. So I think I'm of the same opinion. He gets the you know at least six months of next season minimum. 
Yeah. Uh, next question. I don't actually have who this is from, but uh, I'm going to shift it just slightly because if we're going to do our World Eleven, this is going to go forever. So who are our tips for the World Eleven and the Ballon d'Or considering what happened this season prior to the Euros? I'm going to just throw my Ballon d'Or uh, it's recommendation a dim, out dim, there. Dim Sims asked this question. Oh, is it Dim? All right. Sorry, yeah. Dim. Um, I think Lewandowski, once again, deserves you know, Ballon d'Or and it's almost... It's almost making up for the one he missed out on last year. You know, I do agree. Uh, I, think, I think Kante has had an unreal year and deserves to be in the conversation, but I think if it's not Lewandowski. And it's always been a forward sort of trophy. I mean, the numbers he has is unbelievable too. Yeah, he deserves, to, he deserves to win it. Um, yeah, uh, I love look, that shirt it, of Kante though. Especially uh, if he has not, good Euros as well. I think that's going to come down. Whoever has better Euros, to be honest. I think if Kante or... Lewandowski doesn't win it. There's a real big problem with how the Ballon d'Or was decided. I agree. So I think it's it's almost fitting because Lewandowski really should have won it last year anyway. So he should have. That, um, that might just give him <laughs> give it to him because he's been good enough. I, to and win I, it again. I can I can live with that. Yeah, I agree. Um, right. We're not going to do we're not going to do the World Eleven, are we? Nah, we can save that. We for could we, we could we we could we could be here for ages. And I'd like to do a bit more research. I don't want to just do that blindly as well, to be honest. Yeah. So we've got a couple of questions to go that are from Big Dom because he couldn't be with us tonight. So these are a few things he wanted to talk about on the podcast. So he is wanting us to discuss, will Ivan Tony stay with Brentford or do we see an established club like West Ham or Spurs chasing him the way that Ollie Watkins left last year? So for those that don't know, Ollie Watkins was banging him in for Brentford the year before last and went to Aston Villa and I think we've made it pretty clear haven't we already we said we think he'll stay I think he'll stay because they got promoted if he didn't they would have got raided again Brentford but I think um, the big question mark with Tony is he's only spent one year in the championship too so I think some teams might just want to say let's just watch him for one more year let's see how he handles another transition going up because only 24 months ago he was playing for uh, Peterborough in League One. So I, I, if I was an established team, I'd almost want to wait even six months and just see, can he do it? But I'm not saying he can't because of the numbers he's got, but, you know, it's a very, totally agree. very big climb that not many make. Like Deli Ali stands out from that similar climb, but I think maybe six months just to say, all right, he can do it, might be what's needed. And if a team does need a striker in January, don't be surprised if they throw everything at him. I do agree totally. I just think that... Or they miss jumping on the boat when they could have had the chance kind of thing. That's probably... I just think that if there's a club that will panic and buy him because they can, if they lose Harry Kane, Spurs may do it. That's why Dom's got it there, obviously, I reckon. I think so too. Um, I don't think West West Ham will. I think if Terry Abraham wasn't available, and it looks quite clear that Chelsea are going to sell him, they're asking for about 40, 50 million reports, according to Sky Sports. Um, I was looking at that whilst on the. Yeah, at least you know Tammy can score. Yeah, I think West Ham would rather taste down Tammy for big money than spending 30 million on Ivan Tony. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's not knocking his quality, but you just want to see it at first, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think, don't get me wrong, if he has an unreal start to the Prem or he has an unreal year in the Prem, I do think that he will go. I also think if they get relegated, he will go go. to the Premier League club as well. 100%. And then our final question of the night, can Chelsea's off-season spending of £250 be considered paid off after the Champions League 
When five of the six signings started the final, what do you reckon? Um, I reckon they have paid it off because they won the Champions League. Yeah. And I think the uh, fact that... Habits Habit, Habit, from... made all his money. Sorry, Paul. Yeah. Cutting off. Habits made all his money back in one goal. Yeah. Oh, well, obviously. So I think the big thing for me was... Tuchel's just got the best out of those signings. So although Lampard made the signings, Tuchel's managed to come in and, you know, fit a system around them that's worked. So it's paid off in the sense that they made an FA Cup final and won the Champions League, but it's paid off with the wrong manager in mind. So, you know, end of the day, it's worked. It's probably cost them who knows how much to pay out Frank Lampard, but... Look, you're not complaining. You're taking no, you're not at all. Um, and that's what makes it so exciting for what Tuchel can do with his own signings. Oh god, I don't want to think about that. That's oh, gonna be... they're gonna be mental next year, Chelsea. Yeah, I agree. So we'll keep that for another episode. But for episode eleven, thank you very, very much to everybody that left a question for us. We always do appreciate you we guys living, uh, living, leaving your questions in the stadium so yeah as Damo mentioned earlier make sure you jump in the discord by clicking on the link that is uh, in the description of the podcast whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify the link should be there so Dame any final words before I wrap up this episode uh, well thank you for obviously let's doing another episode uh, thank you for the support and uh, all that has been going on and for the growth of the stadium which is our podcast the discord has been fantastic. I do have one word to do with me in terms of content. Um, you would know, Paul, because you've seen it all unfolding in the stadium. Um, yours truly has made his way back to YouTube as well as Twitch. We have now free saves on the go. So if you're interested in just like full-on football manager content while Damon's got some free time on Sundays and whatever, uh, just everything Damon underscore 23 is going nuts at the minute. So if you want to come check that out, and all the craziness that goes along with me, and if you can't tell, I'm a bit nutty in these podcasts. It's even worse on stream or in a YouTube episode. Come check it out, um, and we'll be obviously plugging away the Discord and podcast and all those sort of things. You can ask me questions live, and yeah, and look, that's all I'm going to say. Thank you for having me on again, Paul. It's been a pleasure. What a crazy end to, the, to football, domestic football, and I look forward to previewing and going through the Euros with you as well, mate. Yeah, it's going to be some interesting discussions. For me at the moment, I've just got my Atalanta save on YouTube, which you can find at Paulie29. So you've got Damo underscore 23 for Dame's content. You've got Paulie29 for my Atalanta save, which is only at episode two. So if you are keen to jump on a new series, then this might be the one for you. And that's the same for Twitch, but I'm nowhere near as active on Twitch as Damien is. So... For episode 11, thank you very, very much, listeners. We appreciate you very, very much, and we will see you next week for another episode of the PD Sports Podcast.